Hello everybody, welcome to the Two Foot Tackle Podcast episode 3. My name is Aristotle Tackle, so I'm your host. I hope you're all doing well in these somewhat somewhat turbulent times. It's been a it's been a tricky period for especially those in Melbourne, but we will get through it. We'll get through it. Um, before we start, make sure you follow it on all all streaming platforms: Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube now, so give that a subscribe as well. Um, yeah, now the football. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, we will touch on some FA Cup, some A League before moving into Afcon. That always delivers, doesn't it? It's only been a week, a week and a half of it actually starting, and it's on oh no, a two weeks of it starting. It's been an interesting, interesting um, period, isn't it? Um, Gone some League Cup, some Premier League, a lot of big games happening and not happening in the league, um, and then some other leagues as well. To who went into footed that segment, we'll touch on that and then a preview for next week's actions. As always, I'm recording this on Monday the 17th. So, anything that happens between now and tomorrow, um, it's bound to happen. But if anything does happen, obviously, I, I won't know of it. So, yes, okay. Moving, let's start, let's start on, on, on shore, shall we? Let's start local FA Cup. We'll, we'll, we'll brief the, the whole Australia happenings as nothing real exciting happened we'll go the FA Cup Sydney versus Brisbane Sydney won 1-0 through an Elvis Cam Sober goal um yeah nothing real nothing really interesting happening in that game Sydney were expected to progress and did progress they controlled the game they played as we all thought they would and yeah nothing real nothing unbelievable happening in that game um I think they they did play on the weekends in in the league and Brisbane got a one one draw um, in that so they they salvaged something I think Elvis Gamsoba got an assist in the A League game so as a victory supporter it's good to see him performing for a team that's not us I can't believe that's actually happening but it is um, and then perhaps the the marquee game the, there were only two games of A League on this weekend which is a shame but the marquee game Adelaide versus versus Melbourne City Adelaide come from behind twice to salvage a draw. Um, they went down 1-0, came back, they went 2-1 down, and then Melbourne City got a penalty. Oh, Melbourne City got a red card, sorry, conceding a penalty before Goodwin missed it, and then they got an equaliser quite late on in the game. So that leaves the table mishmashed because some teams have played seven games, some teams have played five. So it's very, very um, not, it's not settled yet. Um, we'll have to wait a couple of weeks. Hopefully there's no more postponements of games because we really need this league to just settle into itself. Um, it's still very, very turbulent at this stage. But um, yeah, once more games start getting played, once less games start getting postponed, then we'll start to see a more fair A-League ladder because... Yeah, some teams are perhaps in places they shouldn't be due to games played and games not played. So we'll see how that progresses. Now, moving on, we'll go to Afcon first. Now, we'll we'll, we'll do a big wrap up of the group stages next week as the group stages end a week from today. So we'll do a big wrap up on that and we'll give predictions for the knockout stages next week. But I just want to touch on the referee quickly. Now, you guys will definitely know what I'm talking about. I can't. I think it was Mali versus Tunisia. 
the referee had a had a nightmare to say the least. Now, for those of you who somehow don't know, I'm not sure what rock, rock, rock you've been living under, but the referee in the Mali versus Tunisia game decided to blow full time on the 85th minute. He then obviously that caused a delay in the game. The game got restarted in the 87th minute. And the referee, again, just blew full-time on the 89th minute, and the game just ended. Now, after that, um, I think African officials storm into some press conference and say that the game's being restarted, and then Tunisia just don't come out for the restart, so Mali are given the win. Now, why? Like, uh, it's hard to grasp what he was thinking now the excuse that the referee or that's been made for the referee was that he got heat stroke now i get it it's hot in africa right especially in cameroon where they're playing it's hot i understand that but that can't be an excuse right like surely not because that looked very dodgy to me that looked like some underhand business some brown paper bag business was going on because that didn't look, that didn't look legitimate. Um, a lot of people, including myself, have been talking about how Afcon's the best, one of the better tournaments in the world. I think it is, and I think this just adds to the charm of it. Despite it being a, a slight dark spot on the game, perhaps it adds to the whole um, spectacle of Afcon. Um, and some of the tackles in some of the games have been absolutely horrific, and I love that. So. Why so? Why not celebrate it? Why not celebrate it? It's it's this tournament. It embraces it, and it's great fun to watch. Um, yeah. So again, like I said, we'll touch on a we'll do a big wrap up of it um, next week. We'll wrap up the whole group stage, and we'll look forward. We'll look forward to the um, knockout stages now. Moving on to England. We won't touch on the Prem just yet. We'll touch on the League Cup. Now, two legs happened this week in the League Cup semi-final. Chelsea advanced comfortably a 1-0 win, a 1-0 win on aggregate, or a 3-0 win on aggregate, but a 1-0 win on the night for Chelsea against Spurs. It was relatively comfortable. Chelsea moved to a 4-2 formation. Now, it was I was undecided about it. We've used it before. I was undecided about it pre-game, but it worked to perfection pretty much those four attackers worked in tandem in tandem brilliantly and we were never really in trouble at any stage now the another talking point from that game was VAR now I'm not a fan of VAR right I don't think it's a I, I don't think it's good for the game I think it ruins the spectacle of the game and it ruins that moment after you score a goal that just pure elation it ruins that but it got it right. Uh, I'm, I, I don't. I don't like it, but it got it right. Um, the first one was the penalty against Rudiger on Hoybier, I believe, um, clearly outside the box, and it was touch and go whether or not it was an actual foul. But you know, the contact was made definitely outside the box, so no issues there. The second one, again, Kepa came out and cleanly got the ball against Lucas Moura. Um, no issue with that and the third goal which a lot of people somehow don't understand the rule of offside um, yeah Harry Kane was was well offside for that third goal third oh sorry third VAR um, controversy let's say 
But um, yeah, no issues on my end in terms of whether or not the decisions were right. But I'm not a fan of AR, but it helped Chelsea, so I don't care. Um, moving on to Liverpool versus Arsenal. Liverpool were contained. A 0-0 draw at home against a 10-man Arsenal. Now we'll touch on Granit Xhaka a little bit later, and I think you know what segment that's going to be in, but we'll t- yeah, we'll touch on him later. Um, yeah, Liverpool, without Mane and without Salah, did not look potent. I think, obviously, Minamino uh, missed a big chance, and if that goes in, then the the tie completely changes. But they go to the Emirates, nil-nil, with two of their best players out, with Arsenal playing. Obviously, they didn't play on the weekend, and we'll touch on that as well. But they're playing relatively good football at this stage. Their conference is, is, is up, and they'll take a lot of promise. And... Um, Confidence away from that nil-nil draw. Now, without Mane and Salah, can Liverpool get through this patch without them? Now, it's hard because the league is pretty much wrapped up. I mean, there's not a lot of... I doubt there'd be competition for City. But if Liverpool were to make... I mean, Liverpool have two games in hand. They win those two games in hand, they go seven points behind Man City. And they do play them again. And if they win that, they go four points behind. And when it's four points, anything's possible, right? But it'd be very, very interesting to see without them if they can just win. Because at this stage, I'm not really sure performances and the attractiveness of the games they're playing really matter. It's just about winning. And I I think they'll survive this patch of form without my... Well, this patch of games without Mane or Salah because they've just got enough quality, they've got enough creativity, especially out wide, and I think I think they'll survive this month just just about. But the it'll be a welcome return for the two um in, for the two African internationals for sure. Now moving to the Premier League we'll go on the first game Chelsea versus Manchester City. Now, I was as a Chelsea supporter, I was very confident going into this. Um, I thought we could get a result. I backed Tuchel against Pep, especially this season. Tuchel seems to have uh, the the form over Pep, but City were just too good. I don't think the team selection from Thomas Tuchel was the best. I don't think Z- we went back to the three four three formation, and I don't think Zajac and Pulisic were the right players for this game. I think if you start Lukaku, you have to have pace around him. And Zayic, is, Zayic isn't the quickest of players. And Pulisic is not in the best run of form. His confidence is very short at the moment. So I would have definitely started Mason Mount. I think he's so integral to the way that Chelsea attack. Um, and I would have started either team over Werner or Kai Havertz. Um, I think they've got experience in big games. And they just provide that little bit of class that Pulisic and Zayic didn't, didn't provide. Um, we Chelsea had chances. Two notable ones came from Lukaku, one in the first half, which had a misplaced pass to Zayek, and then and a shot in the second half, which is a fantastic save from Edison. I don't think Lukaku could have done much more. He, he hit it hard, he hit it well, good spot, but Edison was too good on that one-on-one. And they just controlled the game throughout. It, it almost seemed inevitable when De Bruyne scored, and it was frustrating, but it wasn't really upsetting because Med City were just way too good. Um, just speaking on the goal, it was a good strike from De Bruyne. 
but I do think Kepa could have done a little bit better. If you watch it back, he takes one step or like a half step to his right, and that completely takes him out of the shot because all his his body weight is now on his right side, and then he has to change, like in the blink of an eye, to to his left side and try and get across. And that shifting of weight takes him out of the takes him out of it completely because he he only misses the the ball by a couple of inches at most, and he yeah if he didn't take those if he doesn't take those two steps or that sorry that if he doesn't take that half step to his right I reckon he could have shifted his weight earlier and got across to it but ifs buts and it it didn't happen they did it um, City were too good on the day I think Chelsea made. Chelsea's subs were the right subs, but they were made about 20 minutes too late. I think Mount should have been brought on at halftime. I think if Mount's brought on at halftime, it's a different story. I think we get a lot more creativity. We get a lot more intelligence, and we function better um, with Mason Mount in that attacking three. So it'll be interesting to um, to see what the changes are for next game for for, for Thomas Tuchel, which is, of course, the... London Derby, Chelsea versus Spurs, and we'll touch on that as well a bit later. Now, let's talk a bit on Man, Man City and who and what can stop them. Now, I don't think anything can. I don't think, I don't think anything. I don't think anyone can stop Manchester City. I think they are too good. I think they, as a team, over thirty-eight games, they are the best team in the Premier League. Um. They've got the best coach in the Premier League. They've probably got the most well-drilled team in the Premier League, and they just are very consistent. I don't see them dropping points any anymore this season. I think they've got their eyes fixated on that league, and they will not let it go. Uh, yeah, I think they're too good. If if anything, it will be an injury to a key player, or it will be some sort of horrible run of form. But it looks to be a, a fourth premiership in five years for Pep Guardiola and Manchester City because they look they look that they look the goods don't they they look very very good um moving around the Premier League Philip Coutinho is back and haunting United once more the Philip Coutinho scoring to salvage a 2-2 draw at home for Aston Villa against Manchester United um Emmy just want to quickly touch on Emmy Martinez karma at the absolute maximum um which was which was funny to see i don't like united but that was funny to see martinez get get that get he's just deserves i reckon but um yeah it's good to see a player of continuous quality back in the leg i think he him at his best is 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 unworldly good so yeah the more he can stay fit the more he can stay at his peak the better it is for the league and if villa can get him on a on a permanent There'll be some signing because he can he can transform that team into a into back to where they were last season. Um, Rafa Benitez moving on sorry now to Rafa Benitez is sacked after a loss to Norwich, which I don't blame. Everton have been very very poor this season. They sit I think four points above the relegation zone with like twenty games played. It's appalling. It's very very poor. And I thought Rafa would come in and do a much better job, but Clearly, I was wrong. He has not been able to get that team working as he wanted to. He's not. He's known for his defensive solidity, yet he's leaking goals to Norwich. It's not good enough. Um, I think he. I think his dismissal was just. Um, 
like ostracizing Luca Dean, um, selling Hammers Rodriguez, and then only bringing in Rondon and Damari Gray, really, I believe. Uh, I know that has something to do with the board, but it's still not good enough, and I think his dismissal was just. Now, going further down the leaf to the releg- to the proper relegation battle, Watford hold Newcastle away from home. It was a brilliant strike from Alan St. Maximum to... Um, to get Newcastle in the lead. And that was a world-class goal, by the way. He cuts inside brilliantly, finds the gap in between the defenders and absolutely rifles it into the near post before poor defending, very, very poor defending from Jamal Asales in particular to um, let João Pedro, I believe, head in past the goalkeeper and give Watford a point which they desperately needed because... We all know Newcastle are going to... You'd think they'd invest and you'd think they'd get better as a squad. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Watford can hold on to that 17th, coveted 17th place position. Um, Moving up the league this time, West Ham United versus Leeds. Now, Jack Harrison scored a hat-trick. Who who would have thought that, huh? Um, Surprising. I thought thought this was a a nailed-on win for West Ham. Leeds are absolutely brutalised with injuries, but they somehow found a way and they somehow kept on keeping on and they defeated the the massive West Ham, the mighty West Ham um, at at London Stadium, which was a shock. I think Leeds Leeds played their way and they got the job done. Um, Yeah. There's nothing much more to say. I think, speaking of West Ham, I think this is just a blip in the road. I don't think it's a cause for concern. They just got beaten by on. They just got beaten on a day, and that's it. I don't think. I think they'll be back. I think they'll they'll bounce back and win next week. Um, although I don't know who they play, so don't hold me to that. But if they play anyone that's not in the top six, they'll they'll win pretty comfortably, I reckon. Now Liverpool, Liverpool three, Brentford nil. Just your standard brilliance from Liverpool, really. Um, yeah, nothing much more to say. They dominated for the majority of the game, and it they took a while to, to get their first points. They did the floodgates opened after half time, and yeah, nothing much more to say. Just except yeah, just your just your standard brilliance. Now there was meant to be one more game this weekend, but for whatever reason, it was postponed. Now I am of course talking about. The North London Derby. Now, from what I've read and from what I've seen, Arsenal used COVID as an excuse. Now, I do know that they have COVID players, that they have players that tested COVID positive. Fine. But they are, it is a fantastic um, bending of the rules. They have manipulated the rules brilliantly. And I think I think it's I think it's great to be honest. I, th- I love the shit houseery of it, but um, they they claim they don't have enough players to fill a squad, yet they've sent Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Florian Balogun on loan in January, um, and they complain that they can't fill a squad, and they got out of a North London derby. I think it's great. Um, it's it's it says a lot about the fabric of Arsenal though, but I think it's great. Um, which is weird because I, I backed Arsenal in that. Obviously, I don't know who tested positive for COVID and if it was like two key players and maybe not, but 
Arsenal have been playing well and Spurs are a little bit on, on a downward form. I reckon they could have they could have won that, but it is what it is. Um, the Spurs were not happy in their press in their press release. They were very salty. Is probably the word I would use, which I understand because you of course you want a North London derby. I believe it was at at White Hart Lane as well, so that would obviously be a good spectacle. Now. Speaking of, maybe less of Tottenham more... Actually, no, Tottenham are in this conversation, and Arsenal. Um, that covered fourth position. Now, we're assuming that the third, that the top three are sewed up. Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City are, are all are cut, are cut above the rest of the league. Now, those, that fourth position is really being battled for by... Uh, Manchester United, West Ham United, Tottenham Hotspur, and Arsenal. Now, for me, my initial thoughts go to West Ham. I just, I just like the way that they play. I like the stringency and the the solidity of the defense, and I just think David Moyes has that side ticking along brilliantly. But for me, it'd be hard to go past Antonio Conte and um, it'd be hard to go past Antonio Conte and Spurs because Antonio Conte is probably the he's the best manager out of the, those three of, of the manager of the rest of those clubs, um, and I just think he'll work his magic. They they do have a couple of games in hand if they in they do have a couple of games in hand, and if they do win those, then they're back amongst they're back amongst it. So. My heart says West Ham, my head says Spurs. Although United, if they t- United are the question mark because if they click under Ralph, I think they'll win, they'll, they'll get in there comfortably because they've got the best squad and they've got a good manager. So it's all about the so-called mutiny, which I touched on last week. Um, being resolved and them clicking under Ralph's system. And if they do, if we watch a next game and they're unworldly and they're like exceptional, they play fantastic football, right? Then I, they they should they should get fourth because they got the best team. And under Ralph's system, if they can click to it, they'll get there comfortably. It's just about when they click to it and if if they click to it, but it's later on in the year with like a couple of games to go. It might just be a little bit too late, but I have faith in in West Ham to maintain the consistency. I have faith in Antonio Conte. I don't have faith in Antonio Conte. I know Antonio Conte is a class manager, and he'll get the best out of that Spurs side. But um, yeah, and I think United. If United click under Ralph very soon, they'll get there comfortably. Um, and Arsenal. It take a miracle for them, I reckon. I just think the other sides are just just a little bit better. Um, although they could prove me wrong, and if they do, fair dues to them because um, they play some brilliant football at times. Moving on to other leagues, other European leagues, La Liga in Spain didn't really play that much, so I won't speak on them. Um, Inter versus you, Inter versus Atalanta, sorry, played a very thrilling nil all draw. I know that's that's a little bit of an oxymoron, but the game was very entertaining. Um, Inter stayed top while Atalanta fight for top four. Um, 
Bayern and Dortmund both win. So just your standard stuff there, which means Bayern move six, or they maintain their six-point lead at the top of the table. And PSG win again. So they've got Liga pretty much wrapped up. So, yeah, no surprises there. Now, moving on to the only segment I have on this podcast, so the segment. Um, who went into footed? Now, if this is your first episode, if you haven't listened before. This segment is touching on a player, team, club, organization, coach, whatever, that did something daft over the week of football, over the weekend, who did something dumb. And I'm surprised it's taken three episodes, but Grana Xhaka is the recipient this week. Grana Xhaka is so, so disappointing. Like, Grana Xhaka, I'm so like... It's hard to even put into words how disappointed as a football fan I am because he clearly has talent, yet he Granajaka has let Arsenal down over and over and over and over again. And how many more times can he be trusted wearing that shirt? Because he's you can't continuously let them down like this in big games, in games where they need a win. They need to be. They need all the players they they can get because they need to. They're setting up in this solid defensive counter-attacking way. Getting sent off basically run like rules the game off, makes it a write-off. So it's very disappointing. But it's Granajaka after all. He's a talented player, but he just can't keep his head on his shoulders, can he? Now, moving on, what to look forward to? Um, in the next week of football. The FA Cup semi-final, Sydney versus Central Coast. I think Sydney should get through on that. I think they're good enough to, to beat Central Coast there. The Prem is in midweek, which is good. Good, consistent football throughout the midweek. And then moving on to the weekend. AFL Cup second, second leg, Arsenal versus Liverpool, which of course Grattajaka will be suspended for. Um, obviously, winner of that game goes through to the final to face Chelsea. And Chelsea versus Tottenham on Monday morning, London derby. The biggest game of the weekend. Chelsea have won two out of two times this season, I believe. We have no three out of three out of three times this season. I forgot the earlier Prem game. And let's hope, hopefully for myself, they can make it four out of four. But it'll be interesting because Antonio Conte will have some tricks up his sleeve, I'm sure. Now, that's all for this episode. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, stay well, stay safe, and yeah, make please. Do all the engagement stuff, like like subscribe it, um, five star review, five star review on on Spotify, um, sharing it on any platform would be majorly appreciated. Well, any appreciated as well. Any engagement is really really appreciated. Um, yep, yeah, stay well, stay safe. Um, thank you all for listening.